Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. React in a positive way. We need positivity for this second half. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and the king of Korea, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello. Is that okay? I think it's okay. I, Let's just I move on. A... It's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, if you haven't watched episode six of Amazon's All or Nothing series about Spurs, we suggest that you do so as we're going to spoil all of that episode right here. If you've got no intention of watching it, then hopefully we can talk you through it successfully. If you have watched it, then hopefully we can supplement your enjoyment of that show. And we're going to be talking about episode six, Running on Empty. The blurb says, fresh off the back of a huge win against champions Manchester City, Spurs find themselves facing an ever-growing injury list with Musa Sissoko and Harry Kane, the latest long-term absentees. With the club competing on three, three fronts, head coach Jose Mourinho relies heavily on Hongmin Son to lead the line, but will yet another devastating injury threaten to end his season. This episode starts on the 2nd of Feb. It's a bit unclear where it ends, actually. We'll come back to that at the end. Uh, But it opens with a press conference talking about how the team has progressed. Mourinho uh, speaks about the players that are missing currently and uses the analogy about pulling up a blanket in bed and his feet hanging out the bottom. Uh, Bardi, do your feet hang at the bottom of your bed? You're very tall. I I sleep... No, because I I have a... I purposely got a super king bed and a big duvet, so my feet don't stick out. Otherwise, they do... Um, also, my wife wanted a big bed because apparently my breathing annoys her, so she likes to be as, sleep as far away from me as possible. But I, um, she, she I prefers used... you when you're not breathing. Yeah, yes, what I mean her. My my breathing, my essence of life gets on, gets on her nerves. So um, once I woke up and she had um, she had her hand over my nose and mouth like it, wow, like she was like it was a bad episode of EastEnders and she was trying to end me like she was after my will <laughs> or something. But um, I regularly sleep with one leg out of the duvet to to regulate my internal body temperature. I recommend people try that if they struggle with heat at, at night time. I do the same thing. I really actually thought um, Mourinho's analogy was pretty good, considering it's, mm. um, you know, in his second language. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. Nathan, what did you think? 
I think it might be a Portuguese turn of phrase. Ah. And he's realised as he started it and then had to explain it rather than just sort of, you know, leaving out a thing about cows and trains out there just <laughs> as it was. He's realised he has to talk us through it when he translates, you know, phrases and sayings. Okay, maybe ask uh, ask Tiago at some point and um, come back to us on that. Uh, there is an overhead shot of Hotspur Way. Again, they've used that shot quite a few times. Mm. And then there are clips of various Spurs podcasts over a montage of players basically looking happy on the training ground. I noticed the dulcet tones of Troy Townsend and Richard Cracknell Crackers, two excellent um, Spurs voices who've done various podcasts over the years. Um, then we had Ben Davis talking about pain and his recovery from injury and once again Davis comes across as very sort of level-headed honest comes across very well uh, and then we hear Mourinho on Bergvine um, and, and Mourinho says we're building something really strong and the results of his project are going to come this is kind of an optimistic feeling from Mourinho at this point and um, Bergvine talks about uh, his his friends and family uh, he gets a massage and he describes Mourinho as a family man to the masseuse uh, who's asking him sort of how he's settling in so far. We find out that... Sorry, Bardi, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say there's a moment there that uh, Bergwijn is a professional. He's been massaged a thousand times probably. But there's a moment where the masseuse <laughs> yeah. needs to get to the upper thigh, upper hamstring. And... Bergwijn doesn't know whether to pull his pants down and the masseuse go from the top yeah. or go from the bottom. And there's this kind of moment where Bergwijn just exposes a bum cheek and yeah. looks at the masseuse. And the masseuse is like, no, 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 it's okay. I'll go, I'll go up. I'll go up. I don't need to go down. And it's just one of those awkward massage moments where you're, you're being touched by someone in a professional way, but not that profession. And it's just, uh, it gets confused and no one knows what to do. He kind of just sort of throws the blanket over himself um, <laughs> yeah. to, to cover his, uh, yeah, embarrassment. It's, it's very amusing. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you pulled me up on that because I was <laughs> going to skip over it, but it needs discussion. Yeah. There's a lot of thighs. Larice is doing something as well. He's got like a foam roller between his legs. There's, there's, there's a lot of thigh on show uh, on, in this opening. There is a, a massage shot of Sissoko later on that is um is very juicy, I will say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Agreed on that one. Um, Mourinho talks about adapting the team to make the mo- most of Son and Lucas in the absence of Kane. He refers to Son as the king of Korea, hence our intro for Nathan. Uh, he sort of calls Son over and he's um, loving him, basically. You can tell that Son's a big favourite. Um, and then we see a clip of him telling Son not to sprint, to go easy on his muscles, basically calm it down in training because the last thing we need is for you to do something. And then we get uh, Jeff Scott, who's become suddenly quite a prominent figure in uh, this documentary. He's talking about replacing Kane's goals. I found it a bit odd that they were sort of including a, a clip from the head of medicine and sports science to talk about a sort of tactical element, but fine. I mean, what he was saying made complete sense. And then we have one of the medical staff saying to um, Lamella, I think, um, that his numbers have been impressive in trading in terms of accelerations and decelerations. And we find out that Lamella is back with the squad. So did you, did you pick up on that, Nathan, the, um, the detail there? No, I didn't actually. It's a good observation. I mean, I, th- I don't think it's um, regarded Lamella's speed 
because he he has he has really lost all kind of zip about him. But um, I think it's probably in the fact that he's now able to sprint at his max and then drop down in speed. I don't think it's anything to do with with him getting faster or anything like that. No, agreed. It's just that he's he's obviously um, recovering well from his injury. He's now able to speed up and down with much more ease. Um, Scott talks about having to avoid players breaking down when they come back from injury, something that we've touched on a lot in this podcast before about the pressure on players rushing back from injury. Uh, And then we see Lamella coming in after 30 minutes of training and he's got pain in his quad. He's worried because he wants to play in the match on Wednesday, uh, but he's feeling something. And so they decide that they need to to scan him. Um, And then we get an interview of Lamella in front of the camera. He does his in, in Spanish which was interesting because he's been in this country for a long time, but obviously still felt more comfortable speaking in his native tongue. And uh, you can tell that Lamella is someone who gets very frustrated when he's out injured. It's, it plays in his mind. We then see Lucas in the car, uh, another another player in a car. This has become a sort of recurring theme now. And, and he's talking about having mental strength when you're missing from a team, whether for your injury or form or whatever. Um, Barty, what did you make of that part? It's just interesting how you we we switch from Lamella to Lucas. You've gone from a player there who they both, well, Lamella and Lucas both share the same trait that they both always want to play every single minute of every single match. But then you've got one player who seems to break down constantly in Lamella, whereas Lucas, he's, he seems to be bulletproof. I can't remember the last time he was injured. And I think that that's got a large part of the reason why he keeps starting every match just because he's he's able to churn out those minutes and mm. keep putting in the sprints and everything and yeah it's just Lamella's so keen to play but then he's dropping out of training to in order to play the match and it's something that we often hear and I think Mourinho used it himself that this guy he had hardly trained but here he is ready on match day I think there is maybe something in Lamella, a fear, or he's, he's, he's scared of getting injured because he has spent so much of his Tottenham career on you know, receiving treatment and not playing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we then find out that the reason Lucas is in the car is because he's heading towards the stadium. And this will this whole section was very familiar to me and will be familiar to many people because at the time that this happened, it was quite a big deal on social media. But what we see pan out here is that there's a stadium tour ongoing and there's a Brazilian child, Gabby, whose hero is Lucas. And Lucas... So the bit that, that precedes this is Lucas talks about growing up in Sao Paulo around drugs and violence and um, he talks about how he is an example for children, lots of children in Brazil. He said 99% of Brazilian children want to be footballers. You've got Gabby here who loves Lucas and the fans are brought into the press auditorium. Lucas sneaks in the back and they they say, has anyone got any questions to ask? And Lucas pipes up from the back and Gabby looks around and is just in complete disbelief that this hero, Lucas, is sat at the back. Uh, Gabby runs up, gives Lucas a big hug and all that footage is stuff that we've seen previously on Spurs' social media. So they've made a big deal of that. And it, this feels very much like a, a PR exercise, a bit of propaganda. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of harmless. It's quite nice. Um, it just shows that the players are are willing to get involved in these sort of stadium tours and uh, press activities uh, as, part, as part of their duty as a player. The first match we come to is the cup replay against Southampton. Um, Mourinho said this is the first team he's worked in where the club is considered outsiders. And he says, I want to try to transform that expectation. He wants to make us favourites rather than outsiders. He's then shown to be explaining Southampton's 4-4-2. And he explains how... 
uh, will try to get around their strikers to win second balls. They like to play up to the front to win the second ball and then play immediately forward and will try and stop that. He talks about how Lucas and Son will press their three centre-backs. He said, we're not going to take anyone out of position. And what he meant by that, I assume, is that we're staying in shape except for the front two who are pressing and doing a lot of the leg work. So it allows him to keep um, a shape behind. Nathan, is that any surprise to you? No, this is I was struggling to get a grasp again because we, we I've sort of done the whole extracting from little bits of sample and I, I was struggling with this one, to be honest. There's lots of use and there and then and stuff and it's hard to you know know what any of those things are. Sure, the way it's edited means it's quite hard to sort of comprehend the overall tactical plan. Uh, Mourinho um, sort of forewarns them that you know you've had this big win against City in the last game, and so it's quite difficult to sort of stay motivated for for, for the following match. So he's kind of giving them, um, uh, he's he's asking them to make sure they they raise themselves for this game. We score an early goal in the game, and Dombele's shot is deflected, and Shane Long then equalises after the ball comes back off Lloris. And at halftime, Luis is complaining that it's like it's a friendly. I presume he means the, the tempo. He said it's too easy. There's a lack of aggression and people not taking responsibility. Buddy, what did you make of that? Yeah, I do remember this game. And I also remember the feeling that after the euphoria of, of City, it's difficult to come back, especially yeah. for an FA Cup game where the, the crowd is different. And it was it was very tepid. And it... This whole period of time, even the new the Norwich game that was talked about in the previous episode, we were very timid and very shy in a lot of these games. So I completely understand what Lloris was saying. And yeah, it, it, even though we scored a goal, a lot of the time we were scoring goals against the runner playing and almost like undeserved. Absolutely. So we, we go 2-1 down uh, through Danny Ings and then Delhi comes on. Lucas scores from a Delhi assist, Son wins a penalty and scores and we win 3-2. And there's a really good atmosphere in the dressing room after the match. And there comes one of the other clips which has been used quite a lot in the promotion of, of this show, where Mourinho shouts, if you make a lot of noise, I will give you one more day off. And the team go absolutely ballistic and he says that's not enough. And then Lucas starts shaking the laundry bin and making an absolute racket. And they all scream again and uh, everyone's happy. It's all good. Um, did you like that scene, Buddy? Lucas loves Spurs. I wish somebody loved me as much as Lucas loves Spurs. You know, he just keeps shouting, come on, you Spurs. <laughs> clip recently from the Skywalk, which really upsets people about him shouting at people with um, Spurs across the street. But um, it, it, we're just getting a little insight into Lucas's role in the club. And w- we know that his his position in the club is going to become more and more prominent because everybody around him just keeps dropping dropping down and he's, he has to be like some kind of focal point on the pitch and off the pitch. He, um, in some ways, sets the tempo on the pitch and it's clear that he also sets the tempo off the pitch in the dressing room. He's a, a live wire, shall we say. He's full of energy. It's good fun. I, I, we, we got to know a little bit more about Lucas and, you know, I, I quite like him. I, I like the, the honesty where he was talking about Sao Paulo and the kind of influence on football and how he tries to help people he does come across as a really nice guy and I just wish he was a better footballer because it feels bad that we really stick a knife into him quite often and he's a nice chap he's a nice chap he has some bad political views but he's he is a nice guy yeah the less said about that the better I think otherwise there'll be another knife in his back (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mourinho's in the press conference talking about uh, managing a chess game without the pieces another nice analogy there from Mourinho 
Um, and we see the same image which was used at the start of the show when Pochettino left with the ov- sort of shot from above of uh, the stadium with the lights going off, but the blue outer lights being left on. Nathan? There's a Brendan Rogers analogy about uh, flying a plane and building it in the air. And he gets a lot of slack. For, I mean, he gets a lot of grief as a character because he's a ridiculous character. And much more than any of this, there's a very, very clear and obvious comparison with David Brent when it comes to Brendan Rogers. But I do really like that quote about uh, building building a plane in the air and the the chess game without pieces is just sort of a slightly softer version of, of that one. Nice. So every manager you're saying has to have a few of these analogies up their sleeve. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. they're quite well rehearsed. Um, we then know that Jose has shaved his head. We all remember that rather drastic haircut from Mourinho. Um, there's a tactics room briefing in the most important week of the season until now, as he describes it. He says, if we win... Against Aston Villa, I think we still have big chances of a top four. So at this point, they're very much targeting the top four. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jeff Scott talking about how hard it is to manage expectations with managers in terms of not rushing players back. And this line is very sort of um, preemptive of something that happens a little later. So it makes you wonder if it's been put together in, a, in that order for that reason. We find out that Ben Davis has returned from injury and that Mourinho saw him as an integral part of his plans when he first arrived, which we, we kind of knew about anyway. He was very vocal about that in press conferences and such like. And we see a clip of Davis and Scott seeing the ankle specialist from when he first got injured. And he's told that it'll be 8 to 12 weeks. The specialist says that the players they've had problems with in the past are the ones who've returned too early. So he's kind of giving him a warning, don't come back too early. Mourinho talks about Davis being a left-footed player who can play left-back or, as he puts it, come inside. And he seems to really value his experience with the national team. And he's very happy about him returning. Any surprises there, Nathan? I remember at the time the narrative around like we'll be fine once Davies is back we'll be we'll be we'll be able to play Jose's preferred system and everything will be great once Davies is back being a thing at the time and then he came back and he was okay like he was fine it didn't, didn't make didn't a lot of difference a, didn't make a huge amount of difference um so I am a little surprised that they've gone with that in the show <laughs> But having said that, he does come across really well in this, I think, Davis. He seems sure. like a very 
level-headed, steady-eddy character, like he's a level-headed, steady-eddy player. I mean, he's exactly the yeah. same off the pitch as he is on it. Very dependable, very reliable, very mature. Um, I imagine very good trainer, good for young players to learn from. So you can see why he's a favourite of Mourinho's. And, you know, I've been, I want us to move on from Davis. I've been very critical of him in the past. But at the same time, if he stays, it's not the end of the world because he's a he's fine as a player and as a character. He's absolutely fine. And actually, I'd say he's grown on me as a character off the back of, of the show. Is he something you eye up as maybe having a coaching role in the future? Yes, I think so. I, I, I feel like Davis is someone who talks well about the game, uh, has a good understanding of the game, and is very, very calm. He's sort of got that kind of Gareth Southgate calmness about him, which um, I think would tra- translate pretty well to um, to coaching. What do you think of Davis Barney throughout this? Yeah, I think he's one of the one of the characters that's come across the best. He mm. he does speak well. Um, we we know that he he has a he has an eye for things where other footballers might not see it. He's interested in he's interested in the game and he's very serious. He talks about um, everything that he did to get fit, the disappointment of it, and obviously a lot of this has got to do with editing. I'm sure Deli Ali has also says some insightful things as well, but you know they tend to focus on them. He's more kind of jokey size, whereas Ben Davis is kind of painted as this. Serious player. I did like how Mourinho talked about him. Like Ben Davis, he's a left-footed player. It's just like yeah, <laughs> he can play at left back at left and at left centre back. Yeah, I, I think everybody knew that. But yeah, I think he's come across well. I I, I suspect that there's like again missing context mm. there where he's like, well, mm. Davies is left-footed, but he can play an inverted role even though he's left-footed. Whereas Tanganga, you could only play him as an inverted role mm. if he's on the left side as a right footer. And there's <laughs> there's more there that there's that makes more sense of that sentence. I suspect, or that he was simply saying, you know, I've been having to use Tanganga filling in at left back, and finally I've got a left back back who actually has a left foot. Could be as simple as that. Uh, so Davis returning allows Mourinho to return to his blanket metaphor. His blanket is now getting a bit bigger. We see Son practicing penalties, which is again becomes relevant. Um, and we have a match against Aston Villa. It's the 16th of February. We can go within a point of Chelsea. Hugo gives uh, another team talk, which is fairly standard, would you say? I think so. Was this the first time we've been in an away dressing room in, in the series? Because... I think everywhere else we 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 haven't seen. Pretty sure might well be the first time, and it's just interesting just to get a a little little glimpse of what other clubs have got going on because we've seen inside the Man City one, but the the Villa one is very kind of it's pretty big, but it's kind of bog standard. It's not quite as plush as, as ours. Yeah. So someone um, made a comment on Twitter to us to explain that some clubs didn't allow the filming crews inside, or that the film crews weren't necessarily set up. To, to go into other tr- dressing rooms, hence much of the dressing room footage is for home games, which, of mm-hmm. course, makes makes total sense in terms of logistics. Um, we see Davis, on his return, make a goal line clearance. We see Son get absolutely crunched by Concer, but he plays on. Alderweireld scores an own goal, but then scores a very good goal at the other end to level things. Uh, Bergwijn wins a penalty. Son takes it. After all that practice, he has a penalty saved. But he gets up and scores the rebound, Bardi. It was saved by Pepe Reina, who's one of the best kind of penalty saving goalkeepers there are. And he's he'd obviously done his his homework because Son in the in the training went bottom left each time, and well his his left went to the goalkeeper's right, and Reina knew that and went right and saved it. So maybe Reina got hold of the training footage. Is that what we're saying? It's a conspiracy here. <laughs> Or maybe he's got um, a Bielsa spy looking through the fence <laughs> to see what's going on. It was Amazon. 
They've betrayed us. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so at halftime, we see Mourinho say that Villa were braver. They won more duels. He says, don't get stupid. Don't Sorry, he says, don't get stupid yellow cards. Be more aggressive. We need more concentration. Uh, Villa equalised almost immediately in the second half through Engels. And then we see Son win it in added time after a defensive mistake. And there's, once again, a very jubilant dressing room. We're one point behind Chelsea at this point. Here we play next. I mean, at the time, this this kind of last minute victory had proper echoes of um, Pochettino's win at Aston Villa, where all of a sudden that that was that scene is the game that kind of sent Pochettino's team on, and this is the new way of playing. And I remember when we beat Aston Villa, even though we didn't play great, there was that feeling of optimism that oh, hang on, we we've turned it around. Last minute winner at Villa pulled to one point within Chelsea and I, I can remember having for the first time a little bit of hope about finishing top four and just thinking perhaps this season is going to, is going to be okay and I, can, I get why the, the dressing room was echoing it and, and why they look so jubilant. Absolutely um, and the, the pressure that they put on the Chelsea game was um, mm. enormous. I, I said we play Chelsea next, that's not quite right. We play Chelsea next in the league, of course we've got Leipzig first uh, and the players arrive for a recovery session before that game and Son is feeling pain in his arm. So after much discussion, he is sent for an x-ray and an MRI. He is not keen on having an MRI because it shows everything, he says. Um, Jeff Scott reassures Son that forearm injuries aren't necessarily a big deal for outfield players. And then we see Son, a little clip of Son saying, football for me is everything. It's my life. Without football, probably no life. Um, we see Levy and Mourinho talking about the hectic fixture schedule and um, the opportunities that winning some of these fixtures would open up for the team. Son comes to see Levy and he says, I don't want to do a scan because they see everything. Jeff Scott then gives an update on the injured players. Uh, Mourinho tells Scott that Son doesn't want to do the scan. I felt at this point as though Mourinho was trying to put some pressure on Scott to go along with Son not having the scan. Scott sort of negotiates with Mourinho and Mourinho just says he has to play. Um, Nathan, what did you think of this? Yeah, so in the previous episode, I was it the last episode or maybe the one before, I talked about there being this sort of apparent conflict between the two where the the where Mourinho and Scott are sort of not on the same side here and I felt a little uncomfortable mm. suggesting that at the time I thought is that is that okay to say are people going to push back but it's completely clear that there is a direct conflict here Mourinho is saying do as the player wants don't scan because it will reveal everything and there's a possibility you won't be able to play him and Scott is saying as a medical professional, I have to look after the players. There's a, there's a, you know, they're they're on they're fully on opposite sides over this. I think Scott is really good in these situations. He's very diplomatic and he keeps his cool incredibly well in all these situations. And he's very clear with what he's saying in all cases that we've seen. I get the impression, and I could be wrong because I'm going by you know these clips and they're very short and they're very brief. We don't really have a close understanding of um, the situation, but. It feels to me as though Scott's Scott needs to be valued more. Scott needs to have um, uh, just as high a place in, in the pecking order as, say, the recruitment people because the, the medical side is so crucial for football now in terms of not just injured players but recovering players and making sure players maintain their levels. And I get the impression that Scott is somewhere down the pecking order and Mourinho feels that he's someone... Not that he can bully because that's wrong. He doesn't bully him as such. He's just 
he's just putting pressure on him. He's, he wants the player available for him. Understandably, Mourinho wants the best players to, to, to play. And Son is one of our best players, plus he's covering Kane. But it certainly feels as though Scott's position is less valued in the in the in the food chain. What do you think, Bardi? I, I I don't know if it's less valued. I just think because what whatever comes out of Scott's mouth effectively can end our season because Mourinho is very aware that without Kane, the everything relies on Son because we don't have a regular goal scoring option because Bergwijn's new, Lucas hadn't scored in the Premier League. I don't think that season. Delhi has scored a few, but he's he's not reliable. So I can see why Mourinho he they, he doesn't want to look for the problem. You know, sometimes he, they say don't pick up your your partner's mobile phone and start going through their messages because if you look for something, you're going to find something. So I can see why he doesn't want um, he doesn't want the scan to happen, and he believes that the player can play through. And it's also because it's an arm injury. You know, you, there's been countless players playing with casts and everything else. And it's just that we're so close now. We're one point behind Chelsea. We've got the Champions League. And I can understand the frustration. I think I think had um, had it push comes to shove, I'm pretty sure Mourinho would have said, OK, fair enough. He's got to have the scan. But to give it a little bit of drama, it has to look that way. And I'm sure initially, I think Lloris sums it up really well. It's hard to take, especially when in the last minute you see Sun scoring that goal. And it's it's a difficult one to accept when there is no problem, but there is a big problem. And that problem... It, we know it ends our season. There's nothing else that we can do without our main strikers. Buddy, I think you need to have more trust in your partner. You know, tr- tr- <laughs> trust that there are no messages to be found. You don't need to look at the phone because there's nothing on it. And in I the same know. way, Mourinho needs to trust Jeff Scott. If there's a mm-hmm. problem, he's going to tell him honestly what the problem is. He's not going to say, you know, Son can't play if he can play. Mourinho needs to trust yeah. his judgment as a medical professional. And this is what I mean by him being further down the pecking order. I would want Scott to be... Uh, he's a department head. He needs to be at an equal level as all other department heads across the board. And if Scott says, I really don't think we should risk Son in this game or he needs to go for a scan, that needs to just be accepted as, as a medical professional. And I felt as though there was a try that there shouldn't be negotiation, but there was a bit of negotiation there. What do you think, Nathan? I think you've got a, a, an odd read on him, to be honest. I, I feel like what Scott declares about if, if Scott. Uh, rules a player to be uh, medically unable to play that 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 is essentially the law laid down for Mourinho and the reason that there's clashing there is because Mourinho doesn't like Scott having that that power I think perhaps five ten years ago 15 years ago that wasn't the case and the manager's word was final and that's that my read on the situation is that it's no longer the case and Mourinho is very annoyed about that and that's why there's this sort of conflict and a bit of heat there you you could be you could be entirely right yeah yeah I, could I mean have... I, I don't think Mourinho would have played son against medical advice I just think Mourinho is, is frustrated at the situation and yeah you can you can see he's, he's bullying but I'm pretty sure Mourinho wouldn't have risked Son's health by chucking him in against Leipzig, even though he does say he has to play. (laughs) (laughs) We see Son then getting into a car to go for his scan, and Scott tells um, Mourinho that he has a serious fracture near the elbow that needs surgery. And Mourinho then says that he had the same injury, his arm was in a cast and he could play. So again, we see this sort of slight pushback from Mourinho about the situation. Um, we then millennial see... footballers, millennial footballers, mate. They're not tough. Back in the day, <laughs> like the Franz Beckenbauer, he just strapped it up and got on with it. A bit of wet sponge. They're, they're all too pampered. Bert Troutman playing with a broken back. 
Broken neck, yeah, exactly. Uh, we see Larice talking to the medical team, bemoaning the bad luck with injuries. We see Mourinho bemoaning the fact that, you know, Son's last touch was a goal. This is a real kick in the teeth. Uh, and then we go back to Lamella and how he's getting on with his injury. And the physios are asking him how he feels after a stretch. They want him to be in the squad against Leipzig. And Lamella said he can, you know, he can give 15, 20 minutes. Um, we're then in the pre-Leipzig press conference. And Mourinho is having to respond to questions about Son. He's been quite positive about the situation somehow. It's obviously at this point that he must be absolutely sick to death of all these injuries that are stacking up. But he does maintain his positivity, which is good. And we then see Spurs' open training sessions, which were a feature of the some of the Champions League games. There were lots of broadcast journalists there recording various sections for various channels. Before we move on to Lucas's house, bit of cribs. And he's got a shelf with his Ajax boots and the match ball, which naturally he's incredibly proud of. Um, we see the highlights of the goals that he scored against Ajax. And he says that he hopes to be in a final again, but to win it this time. Uh, narita voice, he didn't. Um, <laughs> but did he He signed his own boots? Like I thought maybe that he'd got some of the players to sign it, but I think he, he just wrote and signed it himself. I think Sorry. you're right. I think you're right. I mean, he scored the goal, mate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Why would he want anyone else to sign him? Yeah, I think the ball might be signed by other people, but his boots, he just signed his own boots. Like, okay, strange thing to do. I guess he could give them to someone to sell in. Or... I, I guess that's it. I guess it, yeah. this is ahead of them eventually being auctioned off for charity or something. Surely not, sort of surely not. Well, then why sign them to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> like... They're my boots. They're, yes. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, his analysis of the Leipzig game is it's not easy to play against a German club. Hmm. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah, that's what he said about Leipzig. He's definitely not going. He's not definitely not going into football management. <laughs> he's definitely going to cheerleading. That's what he needs to be doing. Um, we're back in the briefing room, and there is on the screen the words "opposition open player analysis." I'm desperate to see what the opposition open player analysis looks like, but alas, we don't get that detail. Instead, we get um, Mourinho simply saying, defensively, we defend with two lines of four. He seems to be asking Deli and Lucas to press from the front in the same way, I guess, that he'd asked um, Son and Lucas to do uh, against Southampton. Um, and he says we can be dangerous in our transitions. He shows our team on the tactics board set up in that back three shape with Davis tucked in and Aurier high up on the right. So confirmation, again, as if we needed it, that that's the plan. And he says they're going to give us very good chances to fuck them. They're aggressive on the counter-attack. And he said the most important thing is, and he taps his head. He's basically saying you need to stay alert, stay, stay switched on in this game and concentrate. Um, anything of note here, Nathan? Uh, more stuff about pressing the opposition high when we were basically pinned into our defensive third. For, in in the, uh, the away match, we pressed them really high. Whereas in this one, we were... We surrendered a lot of space. We seem to very deliberately surrender a lot of space. It's really weird. It's really interesting. I surely it's not the case that like we're always trying to go out there and press hard and we just get pushed back. It really doesn't seem that way. I guess the context would be once a player receives the ball over the midway line, hmm. then we press them hard. But again, it, it's it's the it's the obfuscation of the the uh, amiss. Oh my god, words are very hard. Have you noticed that? It's the lack of full context that uh, really makes this quite hard to sort of follow. I guess. Yeah, 
Agreed, agreed. Um, it doesn't make sense with what we were presented compared with what we see on the pitch. That's that's for sure. And the whole, it just it just teleports me back to that game, which was it was. I mean, we did a. I don't know, is it a spoiler? I guess everyone everyone knows the result. But the whole Delhi and Lucas to press on the front, it's like it absolutely toothless. The team, that whole team was toothless then, and it's just. The the lockdown just I I think maybe would have done a lot better had the lockdown come in before before this or we'd been lucky like a lot of the other teams were able to play their second leg after lockdown. I just think we played Leipzig at the wrong time, absolutely wrong time for us. Yeah, agreed. We we it was too early in Mourinho's tenure. I think we didn't really have a cohesive tactical strategy. Plus, we were missing so many of our key players. I, I agree that things would be different if we played them now. I mean, Amazon have made it sound like we have a chance, so just pretty good. But they've done well there. They've done well to make it seem like end like on a kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah, absolutely. And Mourinho um, pre-match is saying nothing that happens can stop us, which it tallies with stuff he was saying in some of the first episodes. It's, it's this sort of mantra that he repeats about maintaining confidence despite any setbacks on the pitch, um, which I think I somewhat unfairly likened to a sort of self-help tape in some of our, perhaps in our first episode about this, but it definitely does seem something he's very preoccupied with in terms of staying confident despite anything going wrong. What do you think of that, Nathan? It's a very consistent thing. You, you might think that maybe maybe this is more generally something you would have to sort of save for for, for specific games, specific occasions, but it's just, it's always, always the same. Nothing, you know, always, always... Um, there's room for that sort of positive mentality, and I, I guess, I guess that does work better on a more consistent basis. I just, I guess there's like there's a risk with that if you're always applying that mentality of we can win, we can turn this around no matter what happens, and then you don't again and again and again. Maybe there's a risk with that, but then I guess you have a problem there regardless. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. There's no getting away from that for sure. Um, Hugo gives the team talk let's go let's kill them come on um, and the, the final line is the, the the commentary I suppose from the match saying eyes on Bergvine, Delhi, and Lucas Moura to provide that firepower with Kane of course still out too and we've absolutely rattled through this episode which I think is quite telling because there's not a great deal there Bardi what did you think of it? Yeah, I think in in this show when we have to keep reverting back to the Ajax semi-final, you know you're kind of low on content and discussion points. And there wasn't really there wasn't really much for us to look into other than the the sun piece. It was pretty much an episode that had to get us from A to B to kind of motor along the season. I think had we taken time to look at other aspects, perhaps how Lacelso settling in because it was around about this time that he really started to show his class that we all knew or we could have taken some time to look at Ndombele, I think would have been this would have been an opportune moment to do that rather than just kind of pad 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 with um with Lucas doing something we'd all already seen all across social media. How about you, Nathan? What did you think of this one? I mean, yeah, same thoughts as Bardi. I think really the the fact of the matter is this wasn't a very interesting season. You know, it was it, it the you know if you go from good to bad that's interesting if you go from bad to good that's interesting if you go from okay to good that's interesting but to go from bad to okay to arrest negative form and sort of peter along it's just it's not a good story and it's just unfortunate timing but you know 
I mean, I am looking back at this season now, and even though we say often, had had we kept Kane fit and had we kept Son fit, then I think we would have done something. At least we would have finished top four. I'm fully confident on that. You could see even the interesting point is when they showed us one point behind Chelsea, just how far Leicester were in front of us, and then how close we ended up to. Had we had we had one of our two strikers available, I think we I think this season would have turned out. But yeah, agreed. Um, I I I just feel as though this was. This episode was quite a lot of filler, which is sort of waiting for the next big thing, which of course is the defeat to Chelsea, which kind of puts pay to the top four homes uh, and then coronavirus. So we're going to get lots of content about coronavirus, I'm sure, uh, in future episodes. But I mean, the episode I mentioned at the start, I wasn't sure when it finished. It's the 14th, the 19th of February. So it covers a period of 17 days, but there's just not really a lot notably going on in that point and uh the, the focus like Bardi says is primarily on the the son injury and um the discussion around that so yeah that's the end of episode six of all or nothing and we'll be back next week with seven eight and nine you've been listening to the extra inch thanks to nathan a clark for production thanks to Bardi for being italian thanks to adam gardner for the artwork Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud E Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 